P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. All right, Brian, I feel like we haven't done this in a while, and it's, I mean, we're, we're due for it. We uh, have to read out some comments from the lovely Hoff. Well, we don't have to, but, no, but, we, like, but we like, we like the Hoff fans. We yeah, enjoy, we like the Hoff fans. And we, we enjoy like their... hearing from you guys. Yeah, and we like seeing the activity on our, on our Facebook page and stuff like that. So. Oh, yeah. Everything's going well there, that's for sure. Um, so let's see. Well, let's go back all the way back to Mission Impossible 3. Cool. Yeah. Ethan wrote, and I'm assuming not Ethan Hunt. <laughs> That's I mean, that would, that would be great, but it would kind of blow his cover. Yeah. Um, Ethan wrote, was this really the best pick you could have chosen? Oh, I guess he was criticizing the actual picture. Yes. That you chose for Mission Impossible 3. <laughs> no, no, no. The picks that we choose that we post wherever, that's like, a, I always run it by you or whatever, but I kind of, I go through and I try to find, you know, some good pictures. And they're actually, it was very little of Philip Smear Hoffman, like good high quality pictures on uh, like just searching on Google. I just I also thought that was a really cool one cuz it's the moment when Tom Cruise is dressed as Philip Seymour Hoffman and the real Philip Seymour Hoffman like characters bent over at the sink. I don't know if he's suggesting that it looks like something. I don't uh but uh yeah, sorry Ethan that you didn't approve. Ethan was not happy with your choice. We'll put it that way, but uh it's odd he didn't comment about the movie or anything, but Ethan, we still love you. Yes. Next time, just post a picture you think would have been a better choice. That's all I ask. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. You like the constructive type of criticism. Yes, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and uh, so after that, we had one of my favorite films of the whole uh, podcast so far, The Savages. And Jeffrey wrote, I love this film. Laura Lenny is one of my favorite underrated and underutilized actresses. I mean, we're not going to disagree with that. We no. even said it on the we podcast. Spent a good time talking. Yeah, spent a good time talking about how lovely Laura Linney is. Yeah, like you said, that movie's largely the Laura Linney show. So Definitely. I mean, awesome. Okay, before the devil knows you're dead, Brian, who's not me, I don't <laughs> think. I keep getting weird ones here, Brian. Uh, this film gets better with repeated viewings. I used to hate. Now I've grown to love it. Well, that's good. I mean, and that maybe sounds Joey. Like, exactly. Just what I was going to say. Yeah, maybe Joey, who did not like it, needs to see it repeated times, and he'll start to like it. I mean, we got a lot of positive feedback for this film. One of our more popular ones, Facebook-wise, I'd have to say, at least comment-wise. Well, comment-wise, but the most popular Facebook-wise was next with Charlie Wilson's War. I mean, we. I think we said a little bit last week or whatever, but it reached over 4,000 likes because we, again, you had the brilliant idea of uh, doing a little advertising in Afghanistan on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess for, I guess, I don't know. I, I can't explain it, but thank you, Afghanistan. That's all I'll say. And I just kind of loved, and I, I, I know, like, I sidebar messaged you about this, like, one, one uh, Hoff fan, uh, just sent a posted a picture of a bouquet of flowers. I, I think for the late, de, you know, the departed uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what it was for. We got, we did get some comments that we maybe didn't understand too much or got lost in the translation. But still, thank you, Afghanistan. That was pretty awesome that we got a lot of support from that country for Charlie Wilson's war. Yes. 
And of course, uh, the last film we talked about, Schenectady, New York. A lot of lot of uh, positive things about this one too. A lot of a uh, lot of likes and a lot of comments. I'll I'll read some because we got a bunch. Brad said, "Wild movie. Somebody had a vision and a good imagination to write this one." I mean, can't disagree with that. Yeah, that's def- that's definitely that's uh, very accurate for a Charlie Kaufman movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, then Tone, or Tony, I'm sorry, I'm not too sure, but uh, T-O-N-E, would you say that's Tone or Tony, Kyle? I feel like there's probably some flair to it, so I'll go with Tony. Yeah, yeah, that's like a Tony, like cool Tony. <laughs> when are you going to do Doubt? Is it next? Well, to answer your question, yes, it is next. It is actually today. If you're listening to this podcast, Tony, then you are in the right place. So I'm glad you found us. Or Tone. <laughs> Yeah, no, there was a lot of great ones for uh, Schenectady. Or no, I'm sorry, Synectity. Synectity, yes. yes. Synectoty. Nope, still can't say Synectoty. it. Okay. Uh But yes, a lot of great ones. But there was also Tom, who said, movie sucked. Very expressive, Tom. Very, uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you, Look, Tom. It's not a movie. Th- it's not a movie that everyone likes. And I understand that. We, we do. We don't mind people criticizing the film. I was tempted to tag Wit, our guest, and just have him battle it out and defend the movie. <laughs> but I didn't, because in the new year, I am a mature man. Yes. So, that's a good point, Kyle. Happy New Year, Hoff fans. Yes, Happy New Year. Thank you so much for being with us. Iggy Pop! Amen! Let it rock! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Truman Kirby. It's fun to have some fun. Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a cave thing. Whoever she is, I'm going to find her and I'm going to hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> I'm always home. I'm on cool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up. Hey, Hoff fans. Welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home. We're always uncool. We're always ready to talk great movies. And we, we toss this term great around, but this is definitely a uh, at least critically acclaimed movie um, for its performances, at the very least. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the director, this is only his second uh film that he's directed i thought you get a if you didn't see it brian but uh the other film that he directed it was quite some time ago but it was joe versus the volcano or joe versus volcano oh i did not realize he directed that film that film has come up in this podcast way too much yes and it's actually kind of interesting (laughs) because uh just a couple weeks ago we had mr hanks on for uh charlie wilson's war so that's well he wasn't on but yes oh i'm sorry yes (laughs) i wish i wish i could do a tom hanks impersonation i don't know if anyone does one but (laughs) no because he's uh, No, okay, and the film we're talking about, and I'm so glad you weren't like, no doubt about it, because I thought you were going to go there. But it's doubt. No, I, yeah, I, I said that in the, I think, at the end of uh, last week's episode. Okay, so, gotcha. Used it already. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the low-hanging fruit was already eaten. Oh, it was just so sweet and ripe. <laughs> yeah, so Doubt 2008. This is the second film. We had Synecdoche, New York last week. And again, I mean, 2007, a terrific year. And this year, 
just as good. I mean, you know, there's three films versus two films, but I mean, this is he's just monstrous at this point. And take, he's in his prime. You know, yeah, he's in his prime. He's taking these roles that are just. Just like if you haven't felt something from them, I I, I don't know what to tell you. They're, they're just or or just anyone performing these films because I mean this week we have arguably the greatest actress, not even just living, but greatest actress of all time, Meryl Streep, who I actually got to meet one time and is a f- fantastic human being. And then we have Amy Adams again, the second time that they get to work together. And then powerhouse, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Viola Davis as well, and all these people. I mean, I'm just gonna rattle off uh, what awards. It's uh, this is very interesting actually. So all no wins, all nominations on both the Oscar and Golden Globe front. And in both the Oscar and the Golden Globes, they were nominated for the exact same categories. Oh, cool. What were they? Actress in leading role, Meryl Streep. Actor in the supporting. And then two actress in supporting roles. So that would be Philip Seymour Hoffman and then Amy Adams and Viola Davis. And then Best Writing, which is as well the director, John Patrick Shanley. Um, And so, yeah, that was both Oscar and Golden Globes those nominations. So our, our guy's nominated. I remember him at these Oscars. Yeah, and he had like that like black bandana thing kind of on. Yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Kind of He's just it. like this is his now uh, third nomination. We've had best actor win, and now his second uh, uh, best supporting actor nomination. I mean, he's just he's part of that. I don't. Know, seen lack of a better word he's just used to these big elaborate award shows and yeah he's a contender pretty much every year in this like four year period probably. yeah exactly there are those certain actors that you're just like oh yeah you give them like a dramatic piece you know work like they're you know i mean that's meryl streep cat- uh, you know categories yeah it's meryl streep to a t um and the director was not nominated for directing right no, just just, be, just best writing in both Oscars and Golden Globes. So that was one of the big uh, criticisms of this film. Doubt, believe it or not, you know the critics liked it, but a lot of people were very disappointed in it. It was a huge hit play in New York, um, one of the best dramas in years. People were really looking forward to the film. And uh, I'm sorry, what's the director's name again? John Patrick Shanley. Yeah, it's his John, play. John Patrick Shanley. And uh, John Fractor Shanley, sorry, his name slipped me briefly, um, decided to direct it himself. Well, yeah. This- and a lot of people were not fans of his direction. Uh, do, do you agree with that, or do you think... That, honestly, I, I will... I'll agree with it in the sense that the actors are doing absolutely terrific, so maybe he's an actor's director, but maybe, like, like the cinematography, just, like, as far as, like, it was a little... It just really came off as, like, as a play, which isn't a bad thing. We've ex- exactly. We've experienced, yeah, no, we've experienced that with certain films it was before. But this play won in 2005, the Pulitzer for drama. I mean, you know, this is, again... Yeah, no, this is, this is no schlep here. No. But... So, but it's it's I agree with you, and I think that's one of the major criticisms like I've heard of this film yeah. is that uh, and, I, and to be fair, I like this movie and it's a good movie. That's a critique what, that someone gives when they're looking for like a critique to give. You know, what yeah. I'm saying? But when you have this kind of powerhouse cast, you're asking for it almost for like those kind of critiques. You better bring your A game. And I'm not saying he didn't, but it definitely to the mainstream audience, it definitely uh, 
feels a lot like a play, and that's not what the mainstream audience wants to see on screen. Well, yeah, again, necessarily. Not that they didn't like it, you know. The, la- the only other he directed once before, and again, Joe versus Volcano. What is that? Late eighties, early nineties, or something like that. I think late eighties, mid eighties, and. Uh, I, so, I mean, this guy, does, you know, isn't around film sets a lot, but he is a director, you know, for, you know, for Broadway plays and stuff like that. So as far as working with the actors and blocking, sure, but he's not maybe the most visual person. There is like some interesting, like I, I like like the, like it kind of begins and ends the same way. And I love this whole thing with wind going on through it. And I think they capture it in like a weird, cool way. But um, yeah, and again, the, it's such a New, New York settings too. Yeah, you get, we get we, and, we get another. And that part's really nice. We we get a uh, two, two New York movies back to back. The the a PSH standard, you know. Of course, and just just for the records, because we do keep it here: seventy nine percent critics, Rotten Tomatoes, seventy eight percent audience score, which are both still very high numbers. Yeah. Um, it, it's just again like some people again do criticize the film a little, but I still enjoyed it as much as you could enjoy this kind of film, if that makes sense. Definitely. I mean, hey, so you've got one, two, three, four, five, five, yeah, five nominations, and again, same categories for Oscars and Golden Globes, but they don't win any of them, so, you know, that. I mean, that, that, that I guess that is a comment right there, so that's, but... And I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but you'd seen this film before? Yes, I had seen it mm, I didn't see it in theaters. I must have seen it just like right when it came out. Yeah, I'm the same. I came it. I saw it when it like, uh, like DVD or TV. You know. Yeah. Um, probably rented or something. So right off the bat, I'm going to ask you, um, for the synopsis, so we can get into the nitty gritty. Yes, yes. Um, kept it nice and short. Uh, when a nun becomes unlike unlike. Phil Simhoffen's fingernails in this movie. <laughs> but they're clean. Yes, um, and that's what matters. When a nun becomes concerned with an ambiguous relationship between a priest and a young student, the foundations of trust begin to crumble. Boom. Right there. Easy, easy. Easy. Um, and not a very long film, which is good, I don't think, because it does drag at, at some points, and I don't think it can be longer or should be longer. This was, I think the length was at a good place. Yes, like my usual, like, like mode of like getting ready for like watching a film i write down like kind of the stuff that we were talking about in the beginning i'll write down the names and like what other movies they've worked on like the director and stuff like that some trivia i'll write my synopsis unless i write it right before the recording which happens often um and uh and then i watch the movie and when like i was on imdb looking that stuff up i scrolled down to like the you know the the length of the film and i just went <laughs> I was just like I I, I, di- I didn't remember, and I definitely I think I probably enjoy this film more than the last time. I didn't, like remember like not liking it, but I think I definitely like it. Or maybe we can just go with appreciate it more than the last For time sure. I saw it. Um, understand just much more, and I've heard many more stories in my life. So yeah, um, I, I just want to say one other thing before we get into the film because I thought you'd like some of this. The uh, director, so he also wrote it, and uh, although he only directed one other feature film, he did write several, and uh, I just, these are four that I uh, pulled off his IMDb. Uh, one is a movie we quote all the time, Moonstruck. 
Oh, wow. Yes. Okay, I, I like this guy, then, yes. in terms of his writing skills. And not that I don't like his directing. Yeah. And then, We're not going to get into this again. Yeah. And then Alive. Okay. Um, and then, so that's, an, that's an adaptation, so... Yes. And then We're Back, one of my favorite... We're Back, a dinosaur story, one yes. of your favorites One of, of my time. favorite, yeah, animated movies. And then Congo. One of your favorite movies as well. You said that was in your top five, I believe. <laughs> Maybe in my top five guilty pleasure, sure. <laughs> Congo. But Moonstruck, that is uh, that is a movie we quote often, and a movie that you can uh, catch on uh, Cage Club. So cageclub.me. One of the one of the more enjoyable episodes because one of the earlier episodes. Yeah, and that is one of my uh, favorite movies, I'll be honest and say that. Like, as I've gotten older, I appreciate it. It's one of my mother's favorites, and I always, like, it was kind of one of these things, like, my mom liked it, so I just generally thought it was a dumb movie and stupid. And then when I sat down and watched it as, like, an adult, I'm like, amazing. I love it. <laughs> but this is not a Cage podcast. This is not a Moonstruck podcast. This is a Phil Schumer Hoffman podcast. Yeah. And the film we're talking about is Doubt. And a film that, I mean, it's one of these things where... They say the name of the film a lot in it, and it's all about doubt. It, it, it's not like a misleading title or anything. No, it know? was either going to be called Doubt or The Wind. and uh, The Wind would have been more like the, that misleading title, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's one of those things I, like, I thought it was going to go into like some weird... like. P.T. Anderson, frogs falling from the sky again. Like I, like when you're watching it, you're just like, like as a story. Or almost even had like, not like in a wacky way, but like a, even a Coen Brothers like thematic vibe of this like wind that's creeping in the storm, and they've never experienced this wind before. But anyway, yes, I mean doubt. There's. Uh, sorry, there's no doubt about it that the movie is called God. Doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, regardless. <laughs> no, because, I mean, the, the, the last lines of the movie, I mean, several times in the movie, one of his sermon themes, I mean, th- you know, like, I love his sermons in this movie. I'm not a, I'm not a churchgoer, uh, but... I I, en- I enjoy I enjoy kind of getting like the little yeah and, I mean because he feels like he feels like a real priest certainly and I think that a lot of that comes from I mean we we both of us have read about this that uh, how much just research he did in this, into this role uh, he got close with a priest I can't remember his name uh, Reverend um, James Martin oh good yeah the ready yeah this James Martin who is like a fairly well known priest I believe he's written books and he is is. Per- very popular, and he actually read the eulogy, or, or at least processed over the mass of Philip Seymour Hoffman's funeral. They became yeah, I remember friends. you telling me that. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, so like that. I mean, heavy stuff, but but it's 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 realistic stuff. Like I, I mean, I guess I went to Catholic college, but I didn't really go to Catholic school. I know you didn't go to Catholic school, um, but but my mother did, and she always told me stories about the nuns and such. And oh yeah, I've heard those stories from both of my parents, and like I was I was so surprised again. Like I, you know, so I saw it. I had seen it back in 2008, maybe 2009, and uh, so I don't remember it extensively, but I was expecting a yardstick or something to come out, because that was always a, a, n- <laughs> a nun favorite back in the day. Um, I, just want, I just want to say, I think this one uh, piece of information that I got from the IMDb trivia is one of the most interesting, uh, as far as 
story t- like a filmmaking storytelling process that I've learned or heard, read in the trivia section of any of his films, and that's um, the the director again, John Patrick Shanley. He did this for the play as well, and all the actors that ever played um, Father Flynn. So just as he did with the play, the director only told the actor who played Father Flynn whether or not Flynn was guilty. Wow, I have some very conflicting information about that. Oh. Wow, okay. So uh, something we cite a lot is uh, that Terry Gross Fresh Air interview. Yes. Um, that he was on, and, and he talked extensively about doubt, because I believe it was to promote doubt that he was on. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I wonder, like, uh, yeah, like, the, also there was the Charlie Rose that we've uh, referenced a lot before, and I, I, I forget exactly when that was, but that's, that's interesting that it was right Probably around, around I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was around the same time. Um, he kind of implies, Hoffman, that he uh, he decided himself. He made a choice oh. of whether the character did it or not. I mean, maybe maybe uh, it was the same as what the director yeah. decided. So I'm not like against what you're saying. Um, but I, I thought it was very interesting in the interview that he said it's the question he was asked most often about any character, and he did not understand why because no one ever asks about his motivations about any other characters. But this one, uh, of course, and he and I, actually, I believe the interview opens up with her asking him, like, did he commit to a choice there? And he says he kind of laughs and he's like, of course, you know, any actor or salt is going to like know what he's thinking or then you're just not real. Well, I guess you know? technically he did commit to a choice and that's the director's choice. <laughs> well, well, I don't know. We'll go to, we'll go we'll, we'll go Ben Kenobi right now and say from a certain point of view. Um <laughs> I mean, I'm just taking it from the horse's mouth. Yeah, no, ex- ex- yeah, exactly. And so, like, I would, I would definitely, I would lean more. Tr- w- look at that. We're, we're, we're. You've got one side. I've got the other. We're, we're in doubt right now. Um, no, I mean, not really. Because, like, I, again, I, 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 I'm pretty. Because I know they talked about it. You know, I know they had discussions. So I'm not against that. But I'll have to go back and listen to the interview. And again, you guys, please listen to that interview. It's one of the best interviews with him. Uh, Fre- Fresh Air with Terry Gross on NPR. And it's, he might even say in it, I just took minimal notes because it was just something I remembered. He might even say in it that, like, they did come to consensus. Um, ah, okay. You know, and, and so it's not, I know, like, his his process probably, like, developed what exactly happened. But maybe the director told him, like, what he did, just not the details, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like just, that makes sense. Yeah, because I, I don't know why if he did that with all his lead actors that he wouldn't um, wouldn't have done it with Philip Seymour Hoffman here. But I know it was like a huge deal. And I guess Kyle, I'll ask you just right off the bat: Do you think that he had inappropriate relations with the boy? Well, I'll first say that I think the film outweighs on the side of he did versus he did not there still is a little bit of you know i mean uh, of like are, are we sure that he did but i think just from um what wh- you know whether or not people liked his the director's direction or maybe the cinematography there was a lot of moments these like lingering looks from students and even uh specifically uh, where's the one William London? He's like the he's like the brat student 
um, when Phil, when uh, Father Flynn is like leaving and giving his last mass and walking around and thanking people, he just has like this little like he looks you know like he's quiet and he's thinking and then he just has like this little smirk and the whole time it's just like oh he's acting out and he's acting weird it almost and he like reaches back when Father Flynn like t- like just like touches his like hand or wrist at some points it almost seems like that was someone maybe he. Uh, had inappropriate relations with before the uh, main student of Donald, um, and so then. So I'm, you think he did? Yeah, just 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 from that stuff, and then I mean, uh, I mean, you know, like I don't necessarily like uh, Sister Aloysius, uh, but she definitely. I mean, we see how right she is about like a lot of stuff in the movie. Just like calling people out, and she's like, "I know people. I love the accent she's doing." By the way, and yeah, a good a good New York Bronx accent, yeah, especially of the time in that Irish and Italian uh, working class Catholic community. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so I, I I don't know I don't know if he necessarily did it. I don't know if the movie did portray it like that, as you're saying. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of schools of thought here. Um, uh, you know, some. So one major school of thought is what you said, that he actually did do it, and he's like a serial pedophile. And a lot of the stuff would make you believe that, A, it was written at a time when there was a huge priest sex scandal. So obviously that, when yeah. I say inspiring, I don't mean that in a good way, but, you know, it, it obviously inspired the writer to write this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a B, he, the whole thing about his previous... Um, like when uh, Sister Aloysius calls out um, that oh I called the previous church and the fact that like everything's like a boys club you know yes. and he keeps getting moved up and keeps getting promoted and you see him laughing with his superiors and laughing with other priests and how the nuns are supposed to be subservient e- even if you're writing you know th- that guy's not supposed to be the protagonist necessarily um, but there's other theories about this film one of the theories is that Yes, he did have inappropriate relations previously, and that doesn't forgive him later, but he didn't with that boy, you know? Okay. He kind of... And another very popular school of thought, and if you watch the movie with this interpretation, it might make sense, that no, he's not a child rapist, but he is gay. And previously, he had, you know, maybe like a relationship with a man uh, that the other church knows about and at the time they're gonna like they associate oh you're gay you're a pedophile you know that was like a thing um donald yeah. donald the little boy is implied he's not that little you know he's an eighth grader yeah that's implied that he might be gay because that like the father beats him and then i mean it's uh, a, it's everything except for saying my son like except for using the word gay or a homosexual yeah and some people say that like he maybe that's why he took a liking to the boy yeah, exactly. Um, he see, he sees how like wh- I mean that's obviously I mean still tough for people to come out and everything like that. But I mean, come on, back then and then in the cat in the I mean being Catholic and then on top of that for Donald being an African American, I mean yeah, that's incredibly hard. So that ma- yeah, that so makes that, sense. That's a theory as well. Of course, we'll never know, and and we shouldn't know. The point of the movie is that we have this doubt. 
Yeah, I mean, we're definitely. There, I mean, there's so many great scenes, on, and we we would love to play you like all the clips. But I I think the the one scene we'd you know we'll really play is that final confrontation. But just to keep it with where what we think happened, you know, in the film as far as his uh, him being inappropriate, having possibly uh, relations with a student. Uh, the that big thing that uh, Sister Aloysius says, or Sister James, you know, and a- asks her, and Sister Aloysius says that she never made the call to the nun at like the previous school, the previous church that he was at, but he had that reaction. And again, still, like I agree with you, like I, de- I definitely had that thought that he just might be gay, and or or he did have a previous, uh, you know, like incident with a student. And it might not have have happened here with Donald, but uh, that that is like the big, you know. Yeah, but oh, that's not man. that that still goes in line with the he's gay theory. Oh yeah. no, it, yeah, no, it definitely does. And I mean, hey, and the movie, I mean, again, leaves you. I mean, she's in doubt at the end. I mean, she. Ends up- yeah, be, well, that's the thing too. It's like you almost <sighs> believe what you want to believe here. There's yeah, there's evidence um, for everything in this. But you know what? Is that not like what mirrors real life uh, more? You know, I love, I love that story that he tells uh, in uh, Matt uh, during his sermon of the yeah. feathers. The feather that's like homily. one of yeah. the best like and ana- stories, analogies, whatever you want to call it. Of you know, I mean, we're not going to be playing that clip. So it's just a really great. I mean, just the whole thing of. Uh, what a woman goes and says to a priest in confession is it wrong to gossip right that's the basic gist yeah and then he says go to a top of a building and cut open your pillow and he asks what happened and she said feathers were everywhere and there's this beautiful visual of like feathers everywhere after this woman cut cuts open a pillow and the priest then sa- says like now go and find you know get every feather and pick it up and put it back in the pillow or just go and collect them and she says that's impossible and he said that, and that's gossip and that's a really, I mean, that's, I mean, uh, I mean, God knows we know it from the, especially the area. I mean, every everyone loves to gossip, but I mean, especially where we grew up. I mean, such a small little well, town. I don't know everywhere. why you always say that. Like how how where we grew up was different with gossip than anywhere else. I think it's just because I'm, well, I'll even I'll even I'll leave it to my town, especially working at the at the deli that I did. Like it was just like the hub of like everyone like. Coming yeah, do, in. do you think other places don't gossip? I think gossip's universal. I think it's just like a human thing. It is, but I'm just saying in smaller communities, obviously, it's more like true, fair. Prevalent. I suppose. Like you're not um, you don't normally gossip about like smaller, like intimate, like stuff, like with you know someone you're in your like apartment elevator building with, you know. I don't know. That's not necessarily true. I hear people gossip in my building all the time. Not about me because I don't talk to them, but you know, <laughs> who knows? They could be talking about me. Yeah, I think I think gossips are like one of these. Oh, they're definitely talking about something. You. Probably. Um, I mean, just uh, again, not. I mean, a lot to go over in this film, just in terms of like great uh, moments, but it's kind of just always along the same lines. If that makes sense. Um, it, 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 one thing that's like not unique about this story, but interesting, it's like it's the same story throughout. There's no like little beats here or there. We're just following the same, like whether he did or didn't do it. There's not really a, like underlying plot, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's no side plots, or I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing, but it's pretty. It's pretty simple. 
Yeah, no, it's er- early on said by so sister. I mean, we I don't think we we said what actors are and actresses are in this film, but we didn't say like their characters' names. So sister Aloysius is Meryl Streep. Sister James is Amy Adams. Father Flynn, clear, uh, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and then there's Mrs. Miller, who is Donald's mother, and that's and she's played by Viola Davis. And uh, Oprah Winfrey wanted to play that, but she was told no. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) And Tom Hanks was considered for Father Flynn. Um, But yes. Philip Zimmer Hoffman's perfect in this Oh, yeah. No, he's he's, he's perfect. And again, we get, hey, come on, we have to... I know this isn't like a comical movie or anything like that, but we get him playing basketball again, so that's just a nice... (laughs) Along came Polly. Yes, along came Polly. Um, Again, great, great... uh, just like depiction of the nuns here. Mm-hmm. There was another person in the film. Did you do you know who I'm talking about? Did you catch her? Uh, I think it's someone that just really hates Dan Marino, right? <laughs> yes, it's, it's Alice Drummond, who we saw last week in Cincinnati, New York, and who was in the two uh, um, Nobody's Fool and the what's the other film? I always forget the other one, the miniseries. Oh, uh, Empire Falls. Empire Falls. Yeah, yeah she's so. walking through the... Yeah. Oh, she's walking through the streets and nobody's full. Empire Falls. Um, uh, she's in it as well. I can't remember where. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's 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 funny. Like, she's one of Phil Zimmerhoffen's most frequent collaborators. She has as many movies with him as, as uh, Amy Adams. Amy Adams. And that's like... The, this is the one, little last bit of trivia I have. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman lobbied for Amy Adams and threatened to leave if she was not cast. Wow. Yeah. She is great. And she... Uh, when I say she looks great, I don't mean like... Like, oh, I have the hot She looks, her. like, terrified and mousy in the way she's supposed to be, you know? Yeah, like, just like Sister Aloysius played, you know, Meryl Streep looks, like, scary as hell. Oh, my God. She just has, like, beady, like, cold. Like, she's, like, I feel like Quint's going to come out and be, like, kind of like Donald's eyes. Like, <laughs> she like, is shark-like, especially in that bl- those black habits or she's, they wear. Or she's dragon-like. Uh. <laughs> they they have very interesting habits that order. I'm not sure what order they're supposed to be, but it's like kind of the bonnets. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to give one last piece of uh, trivia. Okay. It's Thank that. You, it's, it's no. It, no. No. This is perfect. And this literally is the last thing I wrote down. Uh, Meryl Streep hand knitted the sa- the shawls that she wore in the movie. So wow, that's like Daniel Day Lewis level. I know. So that's I I figured that that's a good one, and that is the last. I swear. I swear on my mother's uh, future grave that that is the last piece of trivia. But um, great, great accents, like you mentioned. Great. Oh, yeah. just, you feel like you're there. You feel like you're early sixties. Well, yes, and uh, that's what Bronx. I was going to say. Since a lot of the scenes, like you said, like it's the same idea throughout the whole movie. Like, I mean, she says early on in a dinner, like you know. Uh, like she asks what the sermon's about, and then she just says, "I'm concerned about matters at St. Nicholas," and she's just like telling the. I mean, it's Amy Adams and a bunch of like older ladies for the most part. Yeah, uh, and, and just to clarify their roles, Amy Adams is kind of a younger. Uh, she's a nun, but she's also a, a teacher at the school. A history teacher, yeah. History teacher. Um, what's her name? I mean, I think she just teaches the grade in general because doesn't she teach math at some points? She discusses oh yeah, it seems like yeah. I don't know how many students go to the school, but yeah, that makes sense. That she's yeah, she's one of the she, history is just her most passionate subject. Yes, um, Sister Aloysius is the principal, Correct. but um, and Father Flynn teaches phys ed, well, I guess. 
Father Flynn teaches phys ed, but he's also like the chief priest at the parish that's connected to it. So he's technically Sister Eloish's boss, but Sister Eloish is in charge of the students, so it's kind of an ambiguous relationship. Still, especially at that time, and even now, um, the Catholic Church is a very patriarchal uh, religion, and it's like the priest is technically in charge. He even says it a couple times, like you have to go through like essentially the chain of command, which is like priest. Yeah. That all leads all the way up to the Pope. Um, the nuns can be an afterthought, but I mean, believe it or not, in such a pet- patriarchal society, this movie passes the Bechtel test. This is like a feminist film. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, besides this, uh, you know, m- m- this mystery. This, uh, I mean, like this, this whole thing, you know, story of doubt of uh, the relationship between the student and Father Flynn that's what like this movie really like that's the next big that's like the underlying like comment and theme is i i think like this struggling for the this would have been a good episode for jenny o'connell to be on to talk about the patriarchy (laughs) because she's Um, she's irish oh yeah that too i wasn't kidding um (laughs) and uh no but that really like it, it makes it clear and shows like an uh like that unfair you know unfairness of of that world and i mean just even the just that it's a quick they have a lot of like quick little scenes which i really like and one of them is so poignant and i think just like to this point that they cut i mean for the characters and and the story but it's the uh father flynn telling a joke to like two of the other guys you might know they're like roles in the church better than I would. Um, I mean, they mention them there, you know, basically like these are like a little bit of higher ups, uh, kind of people who control where priests get moved. Yeah. And so he's just having a, like a jovial dinner and telling jokes and even like slightly like, uh, inappropriate jokes, straight cut to the sisters sitting around the table and just quiet, and they're all wearing their, you know, like just dressed in black and just quiet. And their very, habits, yeah, their habits, um, yeah. It's it's funny because it's also like, while that yeah does mirror probably what the hierarchy was like. Also, Sister Aloysius sets the tone there. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they make it. Yeah, exactly. Her her introduction during his first sermon is just perfect. We're just following this shot that it's like m- children sitting in the pews, and they're all whether one's asleep, one's talking. You know, like they're all not paying attention to the sermon one way or another. And it's just like this hip shot of her walking along, and then finally we tilt up and we see her, and it's just she's just she's scary. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just it just made me go like like thank God I'm like I'm I I, di- I never had to experience anything like that. Uh, and part of what creates the doubt in this film is the fact that we don't like Sister Aloysius. Yes. From, from beginning to end, we don't want her to be right, and not just because, not just because we don't want to know that a boy has been raped. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also because she's not a likable character. That doesn't make her right or wrong, though. And that that's something we learn here. Uh, Ex- when you say yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, uh, Father Flynn, is more of a likable character. Oh yeah, he's definitely a more, more likable character. But it is. I mean, I highly doubt anyone. I mean, just from the tr- trailer, you know, if anyone. I mean, unless you went into this movie watching a cold turkey and you didn't know what it was about, 
like just from the beginning i'm like ah, there's some little like he's being like overly nice but again he just might be overly nice but we know it's a story where then all of a sudden there's a suspicion that happens so then you're reading into it too much and so i'm just gossiping with myself while watching this. exactly it's part of it it's just part of being yeah. in that cloud uh you know uh it's, it's amy adams she doesn't want to believe it you know she says that a million times she doesn't want to believe it's true and she's yeah. still even convinced towards the end you know i and, think and, yeah it's, yeah, I think, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I so like I I totally agree with you. Like from start to finish, I mean, we're just, I mean, it's just made for us like not to like Sister Aloysius, but it really comes to a point again with that character of William London, um, where so he had a nosebleed and he's we see that he is kind of wipe. He's walking away from the school. He's outside. He had a nosebleed. And he's kind of like wiping it. We see like the rag with some blood on it. And then he takes out a cigarette and, you know, again, these are 13, 14 year olds. Um, and then right after that, it's just, uh, sister James and sister Aloysius talking and pretty much just this whole scenario of just like, Oh, you know, like has like, did he cause that nosebleed on himself? And Sister James is like, oh, like, why would anyone do such a thing? And I mean, she's just like, you're, Sister ja- Sister James, you're so innocent and naive. And then, we be- but we see that she was right because this kid is just like kind of laughing and smoking a cigarette while walking away. So it's just like that's just it's this film is just really, really, it's a really smart film because it's just constantly. As I think it's a smartly like, written film. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry, smartly written film. That's yes, that's very true. It's because this whole time when you're like you're not meant to like her, she's playing her as an unlikable person, but then she's like right about a lot of these like smaller things. But just because so. she's right doesn't mean she's right if that makes sense like she, she she's right about like the little minutia but she's definitely drawing conclusions here oh definitely she and wait. she admits and she admits that later on yeah see and that's what um uh, and again we're going to be talking like this the entire time because this is a kind of film where again it's not like so much scene by scene and all the events happen in a relatively quick span um but this is uh something that you brought up before with the whole phone call and the fact that she didn't uh she never called that to me is a plot hole because if she, in the end, has that much doubt, she could still call for her own uh, well-being. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, that's a good, yeah, exactly. They're doing that for dramatic effect and just like, uh, yeah. No, I agree. That's my one, I guess, criticism of the writing. Other than that, I think it's a, like a brilliantly written story. I just can't understand for the life of me how this strong woman, this strong woman who like she's not, nothing really scares her at least no, for what we no. see, is like too afraid to pick up the phone and actually ask to speak to a nun at uh, the previous parish and get like what happened there. I mean, someone might argue to play devil's advocate with myself that maybe she doesn't want to call because maybe she doesn't want to be wrong. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, there's only really two moments in the film that we see like some vulnerability. And the one is Mrs. Miller. She... Well, actually, she divulges the information to Mrs. Miller that her husband passed in World War II, and then she became a nun. Yes. Um, And so not that she, like, just sharing that is, like, you know, vulnerable, besides, like, it's not like she started, like, tearing up or something, but we, you know, we just understand that character a little bit more through that uh, information. And then the next being in the clip that we'll play and her and father Flynn, both admitting that they've, that they've uh, sinned before and that they've, you know, 
Yeah, I confess. It's, it's interesting because I know, Kyle, you did not grow up in so much of a religious thing, and I mean, I, I mean, I, I went to church. Um, yeah, supposedly we went. I mean, I I'm I was never old enough to remember going like every Sunday, and then when I was young enough, I mean, I have I was baptized in communion, but I was by the time uh, what's the, the I don't even what is it called uh, confirmation confirmation yeah exactly I was too uh, agnostic by that point to want to go and just lazy I didn't want to go after school and do things um, but, but yeah um, continue you're, so. you're still uh, you're still. Irish and Italian, so it's whether a very good point. whether yeah. you are a practicing uh, Catholic or not, these Catholic values certainly have um, molded me in one way or another. Yeah, mo- yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they've they've shaped at least your family's sense of moral code. You know, mm-hmm. it yeah, just you yeah. can't help it. It's thousands of years of putting it through there. Oh, you know? of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavy, um, heavy amounts of uh, nurture over nature, yeah. But when she says, you know, what what is he? He doesn't ask if you sinned. He asks if you've committed a mortal sin. Oh yes, yeah, I'm sorry. And that's a sin, like defined by the church, that technically means a sin that you should go to hell for. Now, uh, again, okay. yeah, that's a good. You yeah. could be, you could be. He could be saying, yeah, he did previously rape somebody, a boy, or he could. It could be the gay thing too, because at the time, and even now, technically with the church, you know, it would be a mortal sin to be gay, or yeah. even that, because that would be breaking his vows, even even if he had relations with somebody. So, but I wonder what her mortal sin was. <sighs> And we'll never I mean, know that, you know. No, we'll ne- we'll ne- we'll never know that. I mean, I, I mean, do the do I mean do the sins pretty much? I mean, besides obviously, because I know they don't talk about in like the Ten Commandments, like of like homosexuality. But I mean, are those also uh, moral sins? Like, yeah, I mean, those? those would be the most like clear, clearly defined. Yeah. obvious. I mean, ones. like if I honestly, and this is obviously gossip speculation, <laughs> I, would, I would just be like, oh, her husband's at war, and, he, and she like had an affair when he was at war, or something. like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that could be it. No, she would. A nun would definitely feel like that was a mortal sin. Yeah. So. Um, no, I mean, so it could be something like that too. But it's it, it's it is a clearly, um, it, it's an interesting thing right there. Um, yeah. One of the scenes I definitely want to talk about. Again, a lot of this movie is not so much the dialogue, which is great, but it's what you said. It's kind of just watching people's visual cues. Um, it's visual cues, and it's just like the fact that, like, I mean, the one scene, like, they're drinking, like, I just called it high C and eating cookies. It's just like, it's like all these, and giving, like, girl dance advice. Like, it was, you know, I had some, like, like little funny charming moments he just is like to those kids and that's even what mrs miller gets to at one point like if he's ultimately like helping him in one way like i mean yeah i mean it's it's such a it's such a touchy area <laughs> clearly like, literally oh, um, God. <laughs> uh, but uh not to laugh at that but it, it's interesting too because it's this whole thing right and something we've discussed and we're not going to name any names but it's the cool teacher thing you know, mm-hmm. perhaps yeah. he is just the cool teacher, but perhaps yeah, cool, he is getting inappropriate. C- cool can be, yeah, exactly. It can be become inappropriate in its own way. Yeah, because he's certainly inappropriate for the era. But I think one of the arguments of this film, and they even mention it, like just Bob Dylan, like the times there are changing. You know, I mean, the man just wants Frosty the Snowman at the Christmas pageant, and that's called like what, like heretic, right? Yeah, uh, heretical. <laughs> 
Heretical. Yeah, heretical. Yeah, yeah. Pagan, even. <laughs> yeah, pagan. Frosty the Snowman, because the hat brings him to life. And uh, it's just like, that's, you know, and so he's right. Again, like, that Sister Aloysius is keeping this church, like, in a bad, wrong, like, place from the past. That's and why so- Sister James, um, Amy Adams, she's she's really us, right? Like she's yes. she's really our conscience in this. Like we want to believe Father Flynn, but then you see these things and you have to say something. Do you think it's interesting that she never tells uh Sister Aloysius about the shirt thing? It is. She's I mean, she's you know, Sister James is no dummy, but she's kind of she's kind of playing. I mean, she's not she doesn't mean to be playing. She's not being like political by this. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe I mean, maybe in some one way or another, I guess you could argue. But anyway, uh, she, yeah, she's keeping she's giving like a little bit to you know because again, Sister Aloysius blink, brings it up at the first dinner with the sisters that we see or whatever that you know she thinks something's going going on at the at the church at the school, and then so she shares. Some some information this that like uh, uh, I keep I always want to say a different name Donald goes to the office and then smelled of wine Th- right that those are the two big pieces of information yeah, you smelled alcohol um, oh, I'm uh, sorry alcohol yes yes yeah um, so that's like the information she gives and then once she and Father Flynn have some moments then you know she's like I believe you but I just have then ask then like what about the shirt and so he gives you know his little side of the story as well and yeah i mean she she really is she is us yeah for sure um like maybe and that's like could be a criticism i don't think so you know like she is obviously us um her brother gets sick in this film and she leaves for a little bit but she originally says she's she would not never leave her students do you think she leaves kind of to avoid this Yes. Yeah. She just feels like so uncomfortable around the whole situation and slightly guilty as well because she comes back and she's like, oh, so Father Flynn's gone. And, but I mean, it was for good, I mean, I mean, it was for good reason. I mean, she said that she wasn't going to go visit her brother, but then when she comes back, she was like, oh, it was so nice. So, one way or another, I mean, it was for. A good reason that she... Yeah, yeah, she didn't just, like, escape, but, I mean, I don't know about you, but I felt super squeamish during this entire film. You know, part of me maybe wanted to go away, you know. If it was... If I certainly was in her shoes, it would feel very, very uncomfortable. Um, Before we get to that last scene, by the way, um, one of the big scenes, one of the most talked about scenes slash scenes, I guess, pair of scenes is the Viola, Viola Davis um, scene, or scenes. Well, a lot yeah. of people at the time said, wow, like, she plays Donald's mother. Um, yes. Mrs. Miller, I think she's, that's all she's cast as. A lot of people at the time said, wow, this is one of the, like, you know, such a short performance. But she was one of the favorites to win. She didn't end up winning, but, but I, I'm not sure who won that year, but I, I know she was like in the top two or three of people thoughts of who could win and uh because she does give in a very short but and again it's supporting actress so i'm not going to criticize the length of it um so much but a lot of people did because she was like i said she was hardly in the film but she was she was in it, she makes a very big impact in terms of like acting wise uh, do you agree yeah i mean well so uh, i mean it's fair to say it's, 
uh, it, well, or no, it's it's important to point out that she's only in the film for like a brief time. It's in she's in the principal's office, and then they continue their talk like while she's walking back because she only had a half hour from work and she works nearby. Yeah, and so then it's, te- the, it's technically not one scene because yes, the location yeah, changes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it's a continuous uh, scene to scene, and then the only t- other time we see her and she doesn't speak is during Father Flynn's last sermon. So this falls almost into uh, Michael Shannon was nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor for uh, a great movie, Revolutionary Road, where he was in like two scenes, but they're just very, I mean, just you know, fantastic acting. Um, but yeah, I mean, just uh, her opinion on it is just so i mean one i mean just in the first place i think no one can almost talk about it if like they don't have like kids of their own and then i mean then you have to put yourself into so many mindsets of like that the fact that she i mean they're african-american they're the first african uh, he's the first african-american student at this school uh he's most likely gay her husband's abusive uh, you know, he she wants him to stay in this school so he can get into a better high school, which could possibly lead him to go to college. So, I mean, I'm assuming they're insinuating that he would be like the first of their family to go to college. There's just a plethora, this whole crazy chasm. Yeah, we, we haven't of, even really touched on the whole racial uh, relations or implications of this film and, and what's happening. But, I mean, I think she, yeah, like you said, she... She's an interesting take on the situation, but you understand her as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, whew, but like that, that was one of, I mean, the, again, I agree with you, like the whole time I'm like kind of just like, uh, like you know, so like tense and just like uncomfortable during this movie. But that scene was also like, I just don't, I, my brain couldn't compute as to like what would be the like, oh, that's the logical choice to do in this scenario. Like there just wasn't this whole film just I mean, so many questions, like, self, like, like, what would you do in this scenario, and how do you handle things? This film definitely, I mean, it, it puts you through, I mean, it makes you question a lot of things. 100%. 100%. Um, I guess, like, just to, I, I would like to set the tone of that scene a little bit. Like, they're outside in one of these classic New York projects essentially. I mean, not it doesn't necessarily look like a bad project, but just like a brutalist I mean, I'm using that term loosely, but just like the, the brick buildings and they're walking around and it's uncomfortable for a couple reasons. It's uncomfortable because, yeah, she it, I, I know she's not saying she doesn't care if her son's being raped but mm-hmm. she almost doesn't want to believe it and Sister Sister Aloysius isn't providing that much evidence. She kind of just says she has an inkling. But the way Sister Aloysius keeps going after her, like almost like implying that she doesn't care about her own son. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that's when she says all things like she just needs him to graduate to June so he can go, you know, graduate in June so he can go to college and, and find essentially find a life out of his family situation. Um, yeah, exactly. Just find almost like find like a a new family or just more accepting people. And I mean, she's clear. I mean, she seems like a good mother. I mean, that's like the one sure thing I think to take away from it. But she's just trying to. I mean, it's unfamiliar territory for for her. Besides, I guess the husband's abusive, most likely to both her and her son. Um, and you almost like want to believe her and ignore what's going on, you know? Yeah. I think you're tempted to just ignore the whole 
uh, like, I don't want to say ignore the, the potential rape, but that's essentially what it is. You, you're tempted to ignore what honestly is circumstantial evidence. To, yeah, to, to try to like again, it's like you just want this kid to graduate. You want this kid to graduate well, and maybe this guy is a mentor. You want to believe that side of the story, but again, doubt. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. That, I mean, well, she says that Donald hasn't been acting differently at home, so it's not like also then like Father Flynn has like brought out this new side of Donald or something like that. I, I, it's always she's felt for at least for a while and her husband too you know that like that there's something there's something there as far as i mean just him not being straight or whatever um yeah so i mean but she's just saying that he's such a good like you know like a good you know she just wants like a good man in his life for Donald and that Donald yes. is happy and he isn't getting picked on because everyone from Sister Aloysius to most likely Father Flynn to obviously them considering the, the Millers considering putting their boy in again as the first African American student in this school that's filled with Irish and Italian uh, students that he would just have such a difficult time and he hasn't thus far. Viola Davis character asks uh, Mrs. Miller asks how uh, her son's grades are and Sister Aloysius says, like, oh, he's passing. And Sister Aloysius almost expects her to be, like, upset with that outcome, and she's actually very happy with it. Uh, she yeah. wants her son to just pass, you know? This is a means to an end for them. It's not just like him going to school to stay out of the street. This is a means to an end for for his mother, but mostly for him. And like you said, she is a good mother because she cares. And that's why it can be jarring to some that she's trying to maybe avoid what potentially might be happening. But she sees the bigger picture here, you know? And she honestly, I don't think she honestly believes that's the case until Sister Aloysius like really beats her over the head with it. And then she says, if he's that bad, kick him out of school. And which kind of leads to our, uh, our uh, big confrontation and the scene we want to play. Yeah, which, I mean, that's the... Well, so when they were in the room before they started doing this walk and talk, um, Father... Because uh, Sister James sent a boy down to the uh, to Sister Aloysius, and he's sitting out there, and Father Flynn goes up and asks him, like, oh, like, who sent you down here? Like, have you talked to Sister Aloysius yet? And then he sees that uh, Mrs. Miller is in there, and his face is just, like, shocked angry, like, upset, like, scared all at the same time. Yeah, I think scared is good, because whether he didn't or didn't do it, he knows why she's in there, and that's... Exactly. You know, he knows, so he's he's petrified. I mean, with that scared face, he's, he's waiting around, and then once Sister Aloysius comes back from her walk with Mrs. Miller. I mean, we get this scene. So let's let's play the clip. Yeah, right away. Now come in. A third party would be required. Yeah, what was Donald's mother doing here? We were having a chat. About what? A third party would truly be required. No, sister, no third party. Me and you are due for a talk. You have to stop this campaign against me. You can stop it at any time. How? Confess and resign. You are attempting to destroy my reputation. Who keeps opening my window? What are you doing in this school? I'm trying to do good. Even more to the point. 
What are you doing in the priesthood? You are single-handedly holding this school and this parish back. From what? Progressive education and a welcoming church. You can't distract me, Father. This is not about my behavior. No, it's about No, this is yours. about your unfounded suspicions. That's right. I Just have Just leave suspicions. that. It's not important. I will decide. What's important? Why do you suspect me? What have I done? You gave that boy wine, and you let him take the blame. That's completely untrue. Did you talk to Mr. McGinn? All McGinn knows is that the boy drank wine. He doesn't know how he came to drink it. Did his mother have something to add to that? No. So that's it? I am not satisfied. Ask the boy then. Why he'd protect you. Why would he do that? Because you have seduced him. You're insane. You've got it in your head that I corrupted this child after giving him wine and nothing I say will change that. That's right. But this has nothing to do with the wine. Not really. You've had a fundamental mistrust of me before this incident. It was you that warned Sister James to be on the lookout, wasn't it? That's true. So you admit it? Certainly. Why? I know people. That's not good enough. Uh, this morning, before I spoke with Mrs. Miller, I took the precaution of calling your last parish. What are you saying? Who? The pastor. I did not speak to the pastor. I spoke to a nun. You, you should have spoken to the pastor. I spoke to a nun. You know, that's not the proper route for you to have taken, sister. The church is very clear. You're supposed to go through the pastor. Why? You have an understanding, you and he? No, you have no right to go rummaging through my past. You have a history. This is your third parish in five years. Call the why? pastor. Ask him why I left. It's perfectly innocent. I'm not calling the pastor. Now, I'm a good priest. Go after another child. I had another child until no. you what, are stopped. What, what nun did you speak to? I won't say. I've not touched a you child! Have. You have the slightest proof of anything! But I have my certainty. And on with that, I'll go to your last parish. And the one before that. If necessary, I'll find a parent. Trust me, Father Flynn, I will. You have no right to act on your own! You have taken vows! Obedience being one! You answer to us! You have no right! To step outside the church! I will step outside the church! If that's what needs to be done, though the door should shut behind me, I will do what needs to be done! No, I'm damned to hell! You should understand that, or you will mistake me. Now, did you give Donald Miller wine to drink? Have you never done anything wrong? I have. A mortal sin. Yes. Wow. I mean, these are two of the greatest actors of the generation, right? Like, like yeah. Meryl Streep, Philip Summer Hoffman. These are heavyweights of our lifetime, of uh, a lot of people's lifetime, just of Hollywood in general. This is like, I think people in a hundred years, when they look back at our era, they'll look back at like, 
a scene like this with two just knockout heavyweight fighters here. Yeah, I mean, this is just such an incredible scene for, I mean, for many reasons, but yeah, the, these are just two terrific, I mean, beyond outstanding, just uh, actors that every actor could like always look to, whether whether you're a, a man looking at Meryl Streep or a woman looking at Philip Seymour Hoffman, just actors you can learn so much from, and the fact that they get to uh, be in a movie together and a movie that has this kind of scene. Yeah. And uh, that, I mean, and and just what a terrific scene! Just again, because this is like like a slow burning movie that has like kind of maybe we could call them somewhat repetitive scenes, but just this whole film is just culminating to this point. And what I mean, there's no other. I can't think of two other actors that really I would want to have you know portraying these two roles and get to just like, I mean, go at it. A hundred percent. I mean, uh, we talked about this scene a little bit before. Um, yes. But this is, just to reiterate, I mean, this is, there's no coming back from this scene. You knew something was going to happen with him. Um, there's no coming back from it. It reminds me, Kyle, of, uh, and I know we've cited this story before on the podcast, but something, uh, Amos Poe in that great episode. And if you haven't heard that episode, please listen to it. Amos Poe, the director of Philip Seymour Hoffman's first film, Triple Bogey on a Part 5 Hole. Um, when he came on with us, he said that he ran into Philip Seymour Hoffman while he was filming Doubt, and he just expressed how scared he was of Meryl Streep. I think he said something like Meryl Streep was eating him alive. Um, yeah. Any decision he made, she would just make the opposite decision, kind of just a toy with him. Uh, and when we talk about heavyweight, she might be an even bigger heavyweight than him, arguably, certainly with longevity of career. And you see it here, like just the... Oh, Yeah. And again, I mean, you, like, you realize why she was toying with him because look at their characters. Yes, that was that's exactly what I was just gonna say. Like, I think in any she she would she's an she's an actress, or I, I mean, I just like calling everyone an actor. She's just an actor that um, I think challenges everyone she plays you know across from. But yes, this movie she truly is just like. I mean, eating him alive in this, like, in what what this character has to do to to Father Flynn and just completely like destroying him in this moment, and ah, boy, wow! I mean, yeah, like, it was it it was a this was a great film, but then this was a great film, a great scene to watch after having learned that from Amos Poe, just like that little that insight that Philip Zimmer Hoffman gave him. Uh, so yeah, it was just a tr- tremendous watching these two Titans uh, f- just battle it out. Yeah. This is like Godzilla versus King Kong, you know, this is like <laughs> serious stuff. Um, and then of course we learn uh, that yes, he leaves the school and you think, Oh no, what's going to happen to him? But he ends up getting promoted. He ends up. Yeah. She says, Oh, it's pretty much a promotion. Yeah, it's. I believe it's a high school. He's gonna be, and he's gonna be like essentially in charge of it. Yeah, um, he's becoming. He's now a pastor for like a high, like a church in like high high school. Yeah, yeah like uh, well, I mean, he's a well connected guy. He's a likable guy, and and that's unfortunate, especially if he did do it. Um, it's that's very unfortunate, but it wasn't uncommon in the church to kind of protect their own. 
Um, even, yeah, so in the phone call thing, he's like, did you talk to the priest? Like, he, you know, the guys look out for the guys here. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. He he was just like, no, you don't talk to another nun, and he goes through the whole, like you said, very patriar- patriarchal way of the Catholic Church, and like, the order of, like, command and those who should speak to those, you know, to who and whom i don't know uh, but <laughs> uh, uh, i'm gonna but, hit you with the ruler kyle yeah exactly <laughs> please, please you don't know your grammar <laughs> i mean just uh, it's just you know what i think even just the end of that scene and she just gets it's almost like like the ref is like pulling like pulling her away from him and like you know holding her arm up but like or whatever, and then she just goes, cut your nails. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, then she decided to, just like, th- you know, like... The nun kick, in her kick, was always... Kick like, him. the schoolmaster yeah. in her will always be in there, you know, even in the most intense scenes. And they, they both are honestly scared in this scene, but she really stands up for herself, he stands it's, up for himself, but they're both... Yeah. It's because they're both scared. This is like a Luke Skywalker, like, Emperor situation. He's like, <laughs> uh, what he said? He said, I can fight you. And she just goes, you will lose. It's like, you will lose, Skywalker. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just crazy. The scene is just, uh, it's just... Heavyweights. Uh, like I said, heavyweights. Heavy, um, yeah. Do, I wanted to talk about just, I guess, the ending. I know we mentioned it a little too, but it's, it's that courtyard scene, Amy Adams returns, and mm-hmm. essentially Meryl Streep expresses that she does have doubts about whether he was guilty or not um how, well i guess how do you feel about just the ending in general this, like, is, this, just this even, is something that was criticized uh, uh, another criticized part of the film again this is an over criticized film and i think it's because the cast is just so great this is nothing to like saying nothing about ms streep's performance but at the moment, at the like the final moment when she's like, when she's just like screams out and is just like crunching, like crunching her body and just like you know head against Sister James' shoulder and she's like, I have doubt, like and it's just and then it just the the film ends at that moment. I just like. I saw like the curtains close exactly. and then I just heard and I heard people clapping like that is what and it just went this is an end of a like it just had such a I just saw a play I was sitting in a seat and then like you know the house yeah, I think come that's on an ending and, and that's people like, come out and it's so much more impactful on uh stage you know yes it's just like the final it's little, words it's, it's a little just like awkward on screen yeah, yeah, um, exa- yeah. Just a just little like, awkward. Like it's like okay, you know. <laughs> I would have. I mean, again, I don't want to like be armchair director here, but I guess that's kind of our job. Um, I would. I would have probably uh, had her play it more subtly. I was just going to say that, like a little turn, or just again, because she has just like does this terrific accent. Just like I, uh, I have doubt. Like, <laughs> not, not like you sounded like Tony Clifton a little bit there. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. But like, I know what you're saying. Just like, kind of, kind of an uneasy, subtle delivery. I think would have served a better purpose than that over dramatic way she's saying it. That again plays great on stage, but I'm not sure it plays as well on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. 
completely. I at least, I at least would have. Hmm, I don't know, because then you're dealing with such an amazing actress like Meryl Streep. I don't know if it seems like you're like an inexperienced like. Um, or unprofessional director if you're like can you do it in a completely different way because I just want to see later on what I like more like as a director you have to do that I think you have to assert yourself especially with yeah yeah with with actors like this yeah so it's definitely you have to make a decision before you shoot the scene and so I would I would lean more towards doing it playing it a bit more subtle. I mean, she does it, again, I mean, it, 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 it works in the sense of that, like, it was well done. Like, she was believable in yelling it out like that. But I think just, like, what we've seen from the character all along, and as far as showing it on the, the story via film, it would have played a little better if the character said in a more subtle way to Sister James that she's, like, that she doubts herself. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, I think we're in agreement on that. Um, so, anything else you want to mention about this film? Any other? Well, you said no more facts, but if you have one, now's the time to share. And if not, fine. No, I mean, the, this is the, I have no more. I have no more facts. I, uh, I, I, I enjoyed this movie, and I would recommend it to. Many a people, uh, whether they're Phil Seymour Hoffman fans or not, or I mean, this is this is a movie that just I think this anyone is an one. exactly like. Let's just put it this way: in any of like the four main actors in this movie, from Meryl, Phil Seymour Hoffman, Meryl Streep, Amy Adams, Viola Davis, if someone was doing a podcast on any of them, this would be a film. Still, even in the illustrious career of uh, Meryl Streep, like this is a role that people would love to talk about so yeah like i would say if you're teaching a class on any of those four actors um i think in each of the classes you show doubt you yes know, definitely i think it's yeah. part of the curriculum certainly in philip zimmer hoffman's Street would be the biggest argument maybe no because she's had so much stuff but i still like like i'm agreeing with you i think it would be there certainly for amy adams certainly for viola davis mm-hmm. um the, a hundred percent. The other thing I had in my notes that we didn't get to that I guess you should put in, I love her obsession with the uh, penmanship and the fact that she, uh, the Sister Aloysius, I mean, it's the fact that she doesn't like uh, people using ballpoint pens. Yes. <laughs> and uh, our father, Flynn, uses a ballpoint pen. And Amy Adams, even at one point, is like, you don't like him because he uses a ballpoint pen. And another thing, too, she even, it was just like the f- four things that uh, Sister Aloysius says when she goes into Sister James' classrooms. She comments on the cough drops and she goes practically candy. And then she mentions something about the girl student, then the bo- ballpoint pen, and then the wind. And then I think the big things to take away, like, so besides the comment, like, on the, on the girl of Sister James' class, the fact that Father Flynn takes a lot of sugar as well, and then the bo- ballpoint pen and then even like wherever he is like it seems like there's like a bit more like wind like that she has to deal with or something like that wind uh, and the fact that again the other thing the the girl oh. thing she's talking about is sexuality right yes exactly yeah and the girl thing is sexual yes exactly so pretty much everything that she just like has something to comment on that she's not a fan of he represents one way or another and you can see that too it's easy that as the writer symbolically telling us that yes he is guilty or that uh, this is just evidence manufactured in her mind because she just yes. doesn't like him as a person. These are just breadcrumbs that are leading her down the wrong path one way or another. Or something. Yeah, like the best person in the world could do all four of those things and she wouldn't like them. 
Yes, and speaking of breadcrumbs, that leads perfectly into the Meryl Streep episode of Into the Woods po- uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one of your favorites. Yes. You like James Corbin. James Corbin. That, that lime... I'm sorry, you British offense. That limey, pudgy bastard. I, I hate that he got to sing with Stevie Wonder and carpool karaoke. <laughs> and he's on network late night, and Conan is stuck on cable. I know you're a big Conan guy. I wish Conan was still uh, the host of The Tonight Show on NBC. That was just... that's a, that. Uh, I could have a whole Conan podcast, like Defending Conan 24-7 podcast. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, you're, you're Team so, yeah. Coco. Hard team Coco, Coco all the way. Not Ice-T's wife, Coco. But um, I like yeah. Ice-T. <laughs> Anywho, so, yeah, I mean, if that wraps up doubt... Um, what, oh, what do we have next week? Next week, uh, this is a very interesting one. Uh, it is the claymation film of Mary and Max. Oh, I haven't seen and this one. I have not seen it either, and I think I, mean, I know I ver- know very little about it except for that it's claymation, and he plays uh, a Jewish character. So I think it'll be interesting seeing going from like a Catholic priest to like a, a to a, a clay Jewish, Jewish character, a clay 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 Jewish character. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. Do you want to say a couple of Our Fathers and a couple of Hail Marys before we go, or just, just... Uh, nah, it's okay. Or, or why don't you uh, read a confession to me? Why don't you say confession to me? You know, we, we do mm, that. You know all my sins. I've conf- I confess to you all the time. I feel like you're a pretty open person about your sins, at least at least after they happen. Maybe not while they're happening. I'm open to people when they're not being recorded. Sure. <laughs> fair, fair. Kyle, have you ever committed a mortal sin? We, you don't have to answer that on this podcast. Give me, you have to give me a list of mortal sins, and I'll give you. An I don't, th- I don't think so, but maybe. Uh, arrogance. That's not a mortal sin. It's, it's one of the seven, seven deadly sins, I believe. Arrogance, like straight up, like just like I'm not. But now we're like, I think it, up But is seven. that also saying that you're arrogant twenty four seven, or you just have arrogant moments? Gluttony. Gluttony, yes. Oh, 100%, Kyle. Yes. Fornification and lust, yes. You say pornification? Fornification. Lust. It's the same thing. Lust. Yes. Avarice and greed, yes. Pride and hubris, yes. Uh, Despair, I don't know. You're not a very uh, despondent guy, so maybe not that one. No, not like woe is me. Wrath. I've never seen the wrath of Kyle. No, it takes a lot to bring out the wrath of Kyle. Very close. There's the wrath of Khan, wrath of Kyle. Very close, but vanity. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sloth, laziness. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So you have six of the deadly sins. <laughs> yeah, I would have. I, Kevin Spacey would have had to not worried about finding all those separate people. He could have just like. Killed me off and covered all the ground. Speaking in, uh, the of people who have committed mortal sins. Oh God, I, I did not mean to. Wow, that wow, I didn't. That does to tie me. into our doubt episode. Yeah, that does yeah, tie into bad the doubt man, episode. Kevin so, Spacey, late, bad offense. man. <laughs> uh, boy, yeah. So there we go. Okay, that was totally. <laughs> I, I I am not a brilliant person. That is just a very uh, well. It's just an unfortunate series of events. Anyway, yes, a series of unfortunate events. Not a movie about. Well, a movie about yeah. a. And a TV show, I suppose, about a guy who does like live with little kids, but I don't think it's related. <laughs> okay, we have to end this. <laughs> okay, so, Haw fans, as always, you can uh, listen to us on all 
anywhere podcasts are found, essentially. But make sure you like our Facebook page, uh, comment. We want to, maybe next episode we'll read more of your comments because we've been getting some really good ones. Thank you, Afghanistan, once again. Yeah, we might be on Afghan radio right now for all we know. Who knows? Hopefully, yeah. That'd be awesome. You can find us at cageclub.me, as always, along with all the other great Cage Club Podcast Network shows. Um, Anything else you want to add, Kyle, or do you just want to... No, I just want to remind everyone to stay on cool. Stay on cool, off fans. Thanks. Thank you.